0: And that professor, he just like no holds bar, talked about the good and the bad of Japanese like culture, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, talking about. Even like women, like how sexism is very, very prevalent in Japan, mm. and I mean, I learned about what they call like Christmas cake, where oh no, where like, women <laughs> like, like women who are over Christmas, like women who are over twenty five are considered to be Christmas cake because nobody wants. Christmas cake after Christmas is oh over um, so that was the first time I started learning like little nuances <laughs> like that it was, it was so terrible. fascinating <laughs> but definitely when you took that class if you had the rose colored glasses when you went there they have got like shattered and ripped <laughs> off your face because he just told us all kinds of things and even um, talking about
1: hello hello welcome to young gifted and abroad perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color my name is Danielle and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Amanda as the guest before I tell you about Amanda I do have two announcements to share first announcement is that well I was so focused on getting the previous episode out a couple weeks ago, episode 68, that I didn't get to mention that I was recently a guest on a different podcast. One thing you might not know about me is that I love listening to film review podcasts. And there's a particular podcast called Black Girl Film Club, which is one of my favorites. And so Ashley and Brittany, who are the hosts of Black Girl Film Club, were gracious enough to have me on as a guest to talk about my favorite movie and that movie is the lion king so if you're interested in hearing people talk about movies or if you're interested in hearing what we have to say about the lion king why it's my favorite and also what our recommendations are for movies we think would pair well with the lion king then be sure to check that out again the podcast is called black girl film club And the episode is titled In the Studio with The Lion King, 1994, featuring Danielle of Young, Gifted, and Abroad. I'll link that in the description for this episode and the blog post for this episode so y'all can check it out. And thanks again to Ashley and Brittany for having me. I had a really great time talking to y'all. It was so much fun. Second announcement I have is that this episode you are listening to is actually the second-to-last regular episode of Young, Gifted, and Abroad for the year. I am winding down for the year. And so this episode will be out on October 13th. And then we'll be rounding it out with episode 70 on October 27th. And then the following Tuesday... Nope, actually, let's say Monday. Because that Tuesday is Election Day and i'm sure we all have more important things to be thinking about on that day so (laughs) let's say uh monday the second i'll be putting out a 10 cents episode where it'll just be me talking about my reflections on this show and expressing gratitude and all that jazz Uh, y'all know how it goes or maybe you don't if you're new you wouldn't know but uh yeah that's (laughs) be a short episode of just me talking and that'll be how i close out the year for young gifted and abroad in 2020 so that's how things are gonna go but for now let's focus on the present and in the present we are talking about amanda amanda is a stay-at-home mom with a background in education teaching is one of her passions and she also has a very deep appreciation for an interest in Japan, especially Japanese culture and Japanese food. So while she was getting her bachelor's degree in education, she found out that she could study abroad in Japan, which she hadn't thought would be a possibility for her. She found out that her university had a partnership with a university in a city called Nagoya, and so that's where she went. She spent a year living in Nagoya and also studying various facets of Japanese culture, also studying the language. And she also did a teaching internship while she was there as well. So after she came back to the States, finished her degree and graduated, she wasn't completely sure what she wanted to do with her life, but she knew she really wanted to go back to Japan. She did go back to Japan through the JET program, and she was placed in Sapporo, which is a city in the northernmost prefecture of Japan. And so she lived and taught there for two years, also met her now husband there, and she moved to other parts of Japan with her husband. They also started a family there while they were still living in Japan. And then her husband's job had them moving to the States So Amanda has been back in the States for the past few years and where she is currently so I don't quite remember (laughs) how we ended up following each other but at some point we became Facebook friends and it's been really exciting to see Um, like I said Amanda is a stay-at-home mom but she also is involved in all these different creative endeavors so she was Pretty active on youtube for a while and then like i said she has an interest in japanese food so she cooks a lot of uh, she cooks a lot period but she cooks a lot of japanese food as well and makes bentos um, bento are those japanese box lunches that can often be quite cute or even very elaborate if you want them to be so she posts a lot online about those and speaking of food amanda also has a podcast with her sister that's called we got to feed y'all and since her sister is a stay-at-home mom as well on that show they talk a lot about making decisions for what the family's gonna eat and planning all of that and so you get to hear a bit of their lives and their reflections on food and parenting in real time Amanda and I have been friends on Facebook for a number of years but this is actually our first time talking to each other like <laughs> not just sending messages or writing comments but actually physically speaking to each other and it's I just think Amanda is great and I'm really excited about this so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend Amanda Omia.
0: Well, so nice to finally get to talk to you.
1: Yeah, likewise. Yeah, I know. I've been – I used to uh, – back when you were, like, vlogging, really hardcore vlogging, <laughs> I used to watch those videos <laughs> and, of course, you know, see what you're doing on Facebook with your, your bento and your and your podcast with your sister. So, I don't know. You're just always up to these really interesting things. So, it's really great to
0: get Aww, to talk to you. Thank you. No. <laughs> Ever since I found out about your podcast, I was like, oh my goodness, wow, this is right up my alley. So I've been following on Instagram and then I know we became, um, we started following each other on Facebook, but yeah. it was always so interesting to see it. And I was like completely blown away when you asked me to be on it. I was like, oh my God, I haven't done anything in so long. But um, so <laughs> it was so nice to go over the um, interview questions and I was like, oh my God, all these memories I didn't remember. I did all these things. Oh. So it's, it's been nice.
1: Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, really right. glad that you said yes. I'm really excited about this. So <laughs> um, so um, why don't we start with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't
0: mind. Okay. So my name is Amanda Omia, and I am just a, right now, just a typical mom. I feel like I don't do anything <laughs> that special. Oh, don't say that. Um, but... <laughs> I'm a graduate of Georgia Southern University. I graduated back in, like, 2011, which feels like forever ago. And I got my bachelor's in middle grades education, and I mainly wanted to study or focus mainly on language arts, reading, and I emphasized on teaching English as a second language. Mm. Um, And then I also minored in Japanese. I don't think a lot of people... (laughs) Knew that that was a possibility at my university because we had very limited uh, Japanese courses. But I was one of the lucky people to get it.
1: Mm. Nice. Okay. So, English as a second language, education, and then also Japanese, minor in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, at what point did you go... Because you studied in Nagoya, right? Um, yes. So... Well, before that, had you Mm -hmm. traveled internationally before you studied in Nagoya?
0: I have. So I grew up as a military brat. Um, My dad was in the military from right before I was born until I think right before I graduated college. So we moved a whole bunch when I was a child. I I think we lived the longest maybe three years in one place. Mm. Um, But I did get the chance to live in Germany Um, From the time I was in kindergarten to about like second grade. So I did get the chance to live abroad. But other than that, we just lived up and down the East Coast of the United States. Mm,
1: Okay. All right. So what inspired your interest in like Japan and learning Japanese in the first place? You know,
0: to the extent that you decided to minor in it. I, well, my dad is from Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And so that had a huge influence. Well, you know, still does have a huge influence because of having like such a close tie with my dad and then his culture. But growing up, my dad always loved foreign films hmm. and most, my mom worked a lot, usually on the weekend, that so would spend all weekend with my dad, and he would just pass the time by watching movies. So we watched a lot of foreign films growing up. And the Japanese ones just stood out to me, of course, like anything like animated was like, what kids love. But I don't know, as I got older, the Japanese movies and anime just were the most interesting and different to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what it was about it. it is just everything. I think the fact that Um, their culture is so, I mean, you could just like date it all the way back to the beginning of time. Mm. It's just very deep seated and like everything has a reason and, and, you know, rhyme and reason to why the culture does what it does language wise, um, each of their holidays. It just always just like struck me as so fascinating because as an American, it feels like so many holidays there's, you know, it's not as culturally dated as maybe Mm. how it is in Japan.
1: I see. Yeah, because a lot of them here have, like, kind of, like, commercial reasons, or they're based on, like, history Mm -hmm. that's, like, fairly recent compared to, you know, ancient history that, you know, countries like Japan might have. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. Okay, so you were in school, Georgia Southern, right? Is that the school yes. that says like Southern, not State? Is that Georgia Southern that says that?
0: Yes, that's yes, okay. that's Georgia Southern. <laughs> I think my cousin for, uh, went there. That's why it came to oh, mind really? for me. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, in Georgia there's two GSUs, so GSU Georgia Southern and then like GSU Georgia State. Mm. There might be another one. I can't think of it, but yeah, we were the the party school in all <laughs> of Georgia, not UGA. <laughs> We're not as big as UGA, but hmm. I mean, we weren't like little, little, but yeah, I went to Georgia Southern. Nice. Okay. And so um, how did you
1: end up going to Nagoya? Was it the Nagoya University of Foreign Studies, right?
0: Yes, I went to Nagoya Gaikoko Daigaku, so uh, Nagoya University of Foreign studies so they were like only i guess uh jenny study abroad university that my college had um Mm -hmm. ties with and i didn't really think about studying abroad when i first started college i just didn't i didn't think it was an option for me Mm because it always just seemed like it would be like crazy expensive and i just i mean even getting into college was like a whole feat for itself um but it wasn't until maybe about my sophomore year did I start to see some stuff about studying abroad because usually after you finish your um, kind of core classes, you have kind of either have a break or you have like just some classes that you can fit in here and there before you start everything that's in your major. Mm -hmm. So my um, Georgia Southern really started to kind of promote people to study abroad during that time. And I found out that they did have a program in Japan because there wasn't very many, like, Japanese classes or anything. Um, And as soon as I found out that, you know, just about anyone could study abroad, I was like, wait, how do I do that? Um, And I started just checking out all of the classes that you could take. And, I mean, I did basically everything I could to get to go to um, Nagoya. Mm. And it was, it wasn't easy at all, because, like I said, Japanese wasn't you know, a prominent language in uh, my university. And just by chance, before I started to think about studying abroad, they did offer a like one-time Japanese course. And it was a Chinese professor who had studied in Japan Mm. who offered to teach the class. And it was like a three-hour course on like a Wednesday from like six until nine. And it, they had it, I think, for like maybe one or two semesters. And then after that, they like didn't have it anymore. Um, so I took that and they had like a Japanese film class that we needed to take. And there was just these little classes you needed to take to get enough credits to be able to apply for the study abroad program. Mm-hmm. And I did all of that. It basically took almost like a semester, a semester or two to get all of the credits I needed to be able to study abroad. Mm. And I got to go for an entire year, which I was really surprised about that too, because I know a lot of the study abroad programs uh, that I had heard of were usually maybe like a summer course or maybe just one semester, but luckily we had it for an entire year.
1: So, yes, you got to go to Japan for a year. Wow. Okay. So... It sounds like this was kind of like a dream come true for you, right? But Definitely. living in Japan for a year, I mean, maybe not completely by yourself because it's within a program, but, you know, it's still right. just you. You don't know anyone. <laughs> I mean, how did that feel? How did you feel about, you know, embarking on this new
0: adventure where you were going away for a year? Well, since um, we had to take so many courses in order to – get into the program, I did meet like a good group of friends who also were taking the Japanese courses and planning to study abroad. Mm-hmm. So we all got to travel together.
1: Oh, and okay,
0: okay. I was dating someone at the time that we both like worked really hard together to get into all of the classes and to study abroad. So I wasn't completely alone. Gotcha. Um, but they definitely tried to get a, a solid group of students together. And we got to spend a whole bunch of time together. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't as daunting and, like, lonely now that I think back on it. Um, But definitely going to a whole nother country, it was just, I mean, completely eye-opening and such, you know, even when you start college, it's such a huge, like, insulated, insulated like, environment. Mm -hmm. And then move that to a whole nother country, it was just, like, more of that lifestyle but in a completely different world. Um, We were still – we were very taken care of. I mean, we had a great dorm, great dorm mother. Our university was so used to foreign students. So we were like, really, I feel like, babied the entire time because (laughs) everything was taken care of for us. I mean, we had um, RAs there that helped us with everything. It was like, I mean, we literally, like, they just did everything for us. So it didn't feel as lonely or mm-hmm. daunting i think the hardest part was kind of breaking out of that and kind of trying to have a little more independent experiences mm-hmm. but overall it was i mean they you weren't out there alone there was no part of it that i felt like any form of like fear other than maybe just homesickness
1: mm-hmm. okay yeah and like you said you had a nice little cohort there with you of of fellow students mm-hmm. um so You were there for a year. So were Mm -hmm. you studying, like,
0: Japanese language and culture that whole time? So um, they had, like, uh, two different tracks you could take. Mm -hmm. You could take the cultural side, which is, like, more um, studying Japanese art or film, just, like, kind of cultural nuances. You could Mm -hmm. have take a semester or a whole year of that. And then they also had the language track. And that was just like from anywhere from beginner Japanese to like advanced, like, you know, basically you're almost fluent. Mm. Um, What I ended up doing is I did the first semester doing the cultural track. So I did all of the courses that I was interested in, which was everything, (laughs) um, including learning about Japanese education. And then the second semester, I moved into the language course. And I think I was in the intermediate Japanese or like Mm. beginner to intermediate Japanese and during that semester, I also did an internship at a local Japanese elementary school for, I think, about two weeks. Okay. Um, and so I just, I got both experiences plus an, an internship. So it was all around, like, everything I could get, I got in that one year.
1: Yeah, sounds like it. Wow. Was the internship, was that already part of the program or is that something you decided to do Was was that just something that you personally wanted to do while you were there?
0: They did offer internships. I'm not, I can't remember all of the different ones, Mm. but not a lot of people took part in it because it was like a little extra um, on top of like all of your courses that you were taking during the year. Uh But because I had did in the first semester a class about studying Japanese education, that kind of like... That teacher took whoever wanted to do the internship, which was just me. Um, and then they, she introduced me to a local school that was like not too far from campus. And I would just go there and I shadowed, uh, their local ALT, which is like assistant language teacher. Mm-hmm. And I would just go there and like follow her and shadow her for like two weeks, whatever she did for, um, teaching her elementary school students. And I mean, it took a little bit of time away from my courses, but they kind of blocked it out for you. Okay. So I kind of had like a little more to do with the internship, everything that came with that, plus the language classes as well.
1: Mm. Wow. So you really, like you said, you kind of you got a lot out of it and you had a lot of things going on to fill your time, uh, especially as far as studies go. Wow. Okay. You mentioned the culture track how you like studied a whole bunch of different things but mm-hmm. can you recall maybe some of what were your favorite things that you learned when you were in the the semester that you were doing the culture tr- culture track?
0: Yeah. So the culture track, the things that stood out to me, I knew I wanted to take the Japanese film uh, course because mm-hmm. like I said, I always loved like Japanese movies and whatnot. Yeah. So we had a, a foreign professor and he just showed us and we did like deep dives on different Japanese movies. Um, that was like incredible. <laughs> and then I took a Japanese art class, which was very intensive because I mean, if you're not into like art history, it was a little much, but it was still very interesting, especially when he got to more of like kind of like the modern Japanese art that maybe more people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. I also took it was kind of like an overall Japanese culture class. And that professor, he just like no holds bar talked about the good and the bad of Japanese like culture, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Um, talking about. Even like women, like how sexism is very, very prevalent in Japan. Mm. And I mean, I learned about what they call like Christmas cake, where. Oh, no. Where like women who are <laughs> over Christmas. Is like, like women who are over 25 are considered to be Christmas cake because nobody wants Christmas. Christmas cake after Christmas is oh over um, so that was the first time I started learning like little nuances <laughs> like that it was, it was so terrible. fascinating <laughs> but definitely when you took that class if you had the rose colored glasses when you went there they have got like shattered and ripped <laughs> off your face because he just told us all kinds of things and even um, talking about um like child abuse in Japan and how there were like programs that were set up throughout the culture to kind of encourage parents to have skinship, which is like, you know, just hugging your kids or mm. books that encouraged that they, they would encourage the parents to read the book with their children and it would encourage them to like hug them or tickle them and stuff like that. So it was very, very fascinating, but it was a pretty heavy class as well.
1: yeah. Sounds like it. But it's good that you had someone to, to tell y'all, like, the real. Cause I know with Japan, especially, you know, it's so fascinating to people who are not from there. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's tempting to go and just see it as this, like, wonderland of all these different things that are so oh, different yeah. or all these different, like, uh, I don't know, maybe dreams or fantasies that one might have mm-hmm. that they think are all just, gonna magically come true like i don't know people go to japan with a lot of different expectations that oh, for, um, sure, for sure like you said the the rose-colored glasses basically so mm-hmm. it's good that you had someone who was like reiterating for y'all that it's a real place with real
0: people yeah. and real
1: problems you know
0: yeah um, and, and i mean i wanted to one of the reasons why i really wanted to go to japan is because i wanted to break out of that like i didn't You know, of course, you watch like movies and anime and like dramas and stuff. It Mm -hmm. shows you one aspect or like a fantasy aspect of Japan. Yeah, Um, which is you know fine and dandy. It's great, great storytelling. But I was most interested. The reason why I wanted to go is because I wanted to see Japan as a real place, Mm. not just from those points of view. And even like travel channels and stuff, it only shows you but so much. I was always very interested in, like, real life
1: because mm-hmm.
0: um, I've always loved, like, documentaries and, like, just, like, little small nuances of life that you just, like, deep dive into. Right. Um, and so when I went to Japan, I I knew I wanted to make, like, genuine real friendships and, like, see people and, like, their lives, like, for what it was, not mm-hmm. necessarily, like, oh, my God, schoolgirls, oh, my God, um host guys, like, I really wanted to see, like, well, what was normal life like the same way that when I wake up in the morning and live life I wanted to see what it was like but just in another country
1: yeah that's good though that's good that you had that mindset going in um do you feel like you were able to meet a good amount or even make friends with a decent amount of Japanese people or I mean yeah. I don't know how, if you spent your time mostly with other students who were in your program or if you made interact with Japanese people
0: a lot as well It was really nice at NUFS because of it being a, like, foreign studies, like, international school. Mm -hmm. There were, like, a whole bunch of students from all over the world, number one. Yeah. Um, But the Japanese students there, they, you know, specifically were studying, like, other languages or were wanting to work or do something that incorporated other countries. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the students there were very open and willing and not like, you know, afraid to interact with us and vice versa. Mm. Um, so I made a good bit of friends, um, both with the international students and with the Japanese students. And there were so many opportunities like laid out throughout the year to interact with Japanese people and Japanese, um, the Japanese students. And one of the things that they would have was a like English club, English circle that was in one of the common areas around like uh, where the lunch cafeteria area was. And most people, instead of going back to the dorm, which was like kind of a, a, a trek back to from campus, mm. um, most people would just kind of spend all of their free time hanging out there. And so uh, I met a good bit of Japanese students that were willing to study English and were also willing to like be patient and like teach you Japanese as well. Mm. Um, but one of the most like lasting friendships that I had Was with a lady that I met through a mutual um, international students that, even though we technically weren't supposed to work, she kind of had this little side hustle, (laughs) helping teach like Japanese kids. Mm -hmm. And she passed that job on to me. And I met this um, woman, and just like three times a month, I would go to her house and she ran like a little English school out of her home. And I mean, we just, developed like such a bond that like a decade later we're like very very close to the point that i basically call her okasan which is like mom and i don't i've never had like a friendship like that and Mm. i didn't expect to have that especially with someone from a completely different culture and walk of life so it definitely opened up a lot of doors to like just meet different kinds of people but like still have very lasting impressions on you know both of our lives
1: yeah Oh, that's amazing that you're still friends to this day. And you have oh, yeah. your your Japanese mom, your your old cousin. That's so nice. Uh, yeah, Aww. she's
0: great. She's great. She, I mean, she's been there, like, for, like, really huge things that happened in my life. Like, mm-hmm. when I met my husband, she, like, basically gave me her blessings. And, like, <laughs> she was there after I had both of my daughters. And she's come to America multiple times. So she's, like, she's... Luckily, from that point when I studied abroad, that is like the one thing that definitely had like a huge impact on my life. Just mm-hmm. like that one friendship,
1: yeah. Oh wow, that's wonderful. You mentioned how it it was almost felt like you were babyed in a sense because you, there was mm-hmm. so much assistance and like support available to you all, and yeah. you struggled to be more independent about things, so to speak. Um, yeah. So, I mean i'm I guess I'm wondering what what do you mean by that like how did you kind of strike
0: out and try to be more independent while you were while you were out there? I mean, most people during that time would spend a lot of their time at the dorms mm. um it, it was it was both like a double edged sword like the university set up a lot of trips for us and a lot of like cultural activities for us to participate in Mm -hmm. and they were like constant so it was kind of hard to break away from that especially if you lived in the dorm because basically everyone would be doing those things because it gave us something to do yeah um but the way that i kind of broke out from that is like i i went on my own trips like with some of my um friends from the dorm we would just go and travel by ourselves and we went to like yokohama which has like the biggest like chinatown in japan Mm. um i went to osaka i I just kind of like traveled and explored in other areas outside of what the university set up for us Mm -hmm. but it was kind of hard to do because like i said there was just like so much stuff that they would have us doing and i just didn't really say no to anything
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and also our local area where the campus was was just like so used to the students there so everything around us was just like catered to us there was like you know restaurants and easy places to go shopping so you didn't really like step out of your comfort bubble unless you really wanted to
1: Mm, okay we all in class like every weekday i guess i'm wondering when when you were traveling was this like mostly a weekend thing or
0: was it like were classes it, broken up during the week so that you could do stuff during the week as well? Not so much. I feel like Japanese universities are still set up like grade school. So okay. there's still like class bells and everything. So everyone, you, your classes may be different, but like the daily schedule was basically like all there. Mm. So most of the traveling would do we would do would be either on the weekends or it would be during the school holidays. Okay. Um, but we would usually be in school like most of the day, most weekdays. Mm-hmm. Um, so and since the school offered so many opportunities, I mean, it was whenever they would say, and sometimes they would take off days during the week for us to go on these um, cultural excursions and whatnot, but. We were mainly in school most of the time. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, that makes sense. You're a university student and you're, I guess, oh, well, I guess you could say you're getting your money's worth with everything, with class and then everything else oh, that they sure. had planned for you,
0: too. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And the, so the language part of it, the, the the second semester where you were focused on the language um, aspect of it, you said you were in, like, the intermediate class?
0: Yeah, I was, like, in the beginner, like, not Most beginner because I did study um, at my own home university for a Mm -hmm. while and I self-taught myself most of the basics of Japanese. Yeah. Um, But when I jumped into the language track, it – I mean, it was definitely the most difficult part of the whole entire experience. Oh, wow. I mean, you're so – there's so many distractions too. Like, unless you were very, like, serious about studying Japanese – You just had to have been serious in order to, like, like really get the most out of it. Mm -hmm. But because you were taking, like, you know, for me, I was doing the internship and, you know, other classes as well. I just wish that I was more serious about it because, I mean, I was immersed in Japan, in the language all day long. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, our the cultural classes were all taught in english but the japanese classes were mainly taught in japanese mm-hmm. and so from one semester of it being like english and you know very easy to focus on to then switching it to japanese oh it was yeah. it was a leap it was a leap but yeah i mean a decade later i still don't feel as confident in <laughs> japanese as i <laughs> I feel like I should have, because especially with all of the self-studying I did and, like, living in Japan for a period of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, jeez, Japanese is no joke. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, as you get older, you know, it gets harder to, like, maintain and study and, you know, retain all that information. Yeah. But, I mean, the people that really studied back then are, like, amazing now. I just wish I was one of those students. It wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you did what you could at the time.
1: And, um you knew enough to to live there for a number of years you know to get by that's nothing to um to discount or
0: discredit you know so that's true I don't give myself (laughs) enough credit at all because I just feel like I'm always looking forward to like what I could be doing better and what I could do next and I mean oh thank you but like I know I can (laughs) do so much
1: you know, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm the same way, so I understand. But, um, yeah, it doesn't hurt to also give yourself credit as well, especially with all yeah. that you had going on at the time. But, um, Very true. okay. So, I mean, but did you feel like you, I, I know you said you wish you could have been more dedicated or, I guess, done more at the time. But do you feel like your language uh, ability improved while you were there, or at least while you
0: were studying in, in Nagoya? oh for sure i mean the best way to learn a language is to be completely like immersed in it yeah um but then in the same breath because they babied us so much so many of the students or the teachers or even the ras they also spoke english so Mm. it's very easy for you to just like not try your hardest yeah and i think that's where i kind of like failed myself is because i'm like oh Well, they understand me, or like even if they (laughs) even if I would say something wrong in Japanese, they would understand what I was saying, and they would like not always correct me. Mm. So I feel my friend explained this to me. It's like kind of because me and her are kind of on the same level where we have like this Galapagos Japanese, where it's just you learned things long time ago and you just never adapted it any other way. Mm. Um, But I do think that during that time. I th- that's when I had the most like brain boost when it came to Japanese because I had to use it all day every day and even when you would go out to get to eat you would have to use it in some capacity or even just riding the bus or walking around and seeing signs in Japanese or watching TV in Japanese it was just that constant immersion like mm-hmm. I mean there's no other better way to absorb a language than that
1: yeah yeah, no, I I
0: completely agree,
1: and of course you were in Nagoya, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it's 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 easy to make the immediate association. Okay, Japan, Tokyo, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> You're right, right. But right. Uh, as far as Nagoya goes, from your experience, you know, how would you describe it as a city or as a a place that you
0: lived? How would you describe um, it? I I enjoyed Nagoya. It's I've seen some um, like surveys or whatnot of like ranking all of the cities in um, Japan and Nagoya is always considered like one of the more boring places to live. (laughs) (laughs) But it's because it's more of like a business hub. There's a lot of like big businesses out there and a Mm. lot of people only go there for business trips and whatnot. Um, But I actually lived in Nagoya like years later after studying there. Mm. And I mean, it was a very comfortable place to live. It was like not high speed and constantly changing like Tokyo. And I mean, the only downside I would say is because of where it's located. It is insanely hot there. Mm. Like just, I lived in Fukuoka, which is like more South Japan close, you know, down that way, almost not quite as South as Okinawa, but it's like down there. Mm. Um, It was hotter in Nagoya than it was in Fukuoka. (laughs) It's just like where it's localized. is just like, the heat is like unexplainable but i liked it it was like more my speed i don't think i could have i feel like i would have probably like drowned and got lost in tokyo and osaka's great and funny um but not a, it was nice it was nice if you just kind of want something a little more low key and not like a huge huge city it was it was pretty com- it was pretty comfortable i liked it
1: mm. okay good good and you mentioned maybe being a little homesick while you were studying Nagoya
0: when you were there for the the first time. So, I mean, how did you deal with that? Um, This was like back in the day, like 2009, 2010 is when I studied abroad. And so like the internet, I mean, we had it, but it wasn't like Mm -hmm. as advanced as it is nowadays. I mean, I remember Google maps was like, you couldn't really rely on it as great back then. (laughs) Um, But to deal with homesickness, I mean, we had Skype, I believe. And we didn't have the greatest internet connection um, in our dorm, but I would talk to my family like once or a week or so. That helped in like sending care packages and getting care packages from home, even though it would be kind of expensive. It was still like a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And then to see like other people getting like really nice care packages from their family. But I don't know, with my family, we I always was kind of like, I'm the middle child, so I was, like, the black sheep. I was just the one who was, like, peace (laughs) out. I don't don't care. Like, you guys don't need me. I don't need you. Oh, no. Which is so drastic. But it's true (laughs) for me. I was just, like, I'm good. I'm not by myself. Like, I'm enjoying myself. I'm safe. As long as, like, you know, I just let them know I was alive, it was all good. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I really, like, I just enjoyed being out there, like, essentially not I don't know. Not being in America was like nice. Mm-hmm. I, think I, I think I just <laughs> always wanted to live somewhere that wasn't America. So yeah. when I was in Japan, I was just like, this is good enough for me.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so after that, I mean, you came back, obviously, and like finished mm-hmm. your degree. And then yeah. you
0: went back. Did you do the JET program? Is that what you did? I did. did. Okay. So I came back in 2010, and then I finished out my degree and graduated in, when did I graduate? 2011. And I was thinking about teaching in America, and I just remember, like, breaking down in my kitchen with my mom and being like, I don't know what to do with my life. Mm. Um, And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to go back to Japan. And she's like, well, just do that. Um, And I think that was kind of like the anxiety because my final semester of college, I had applied for the JET program and it is notoriously difficult Mm -hmm. to apply they are very like the 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 process is very tedious you have to get so many signatures and you have to turn things in perfectly and type up all these papers it was a lot Mm -hmm. and it takes a long time for you to get information on if you got accepted or you're an alternate or you got denied and then you have to do an interview months later So during that time, I was just kind of like in purgatory. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, But six months after I graduated, I got into the JET program and got sent to Hokkaido, so like way up north um, in Japan. And so that, yeah, I went to Japan and taught um, from 2012 until like 2014. And I was an ALT at two high schools in Sapporo, and I absolutely loved it. It was like the greatest time of my life, oh. <laughs> next to being able to study abroad um, in Japan. And I mean, it was it was it was almost like going to my study abroad program, but part two. Except <laughs> for this time, I'm like more of an adult. But they still took care of me really well. Like, yeah, I didn't have to worry about finding my own apartment. And I mean, everything was just kind of like you just kind of get like eased into everything but it was still like a big adjustment especially in Hokkaido because um, that was I hadn't lived in snow in um, a very long time and Mm. Hokkaido snow is like intense so (laughs) it was definitely an experience and my apartment was very old so it was very cold and also very expensive (laughs) because I was like I'm not going to be out here in the freezing cold so I ran my heater all of the time which needed fuel which is not cheap Mm. so it was uh, definitely had to learn about budgeting uh, during that time Yeah. yeah I went back to Japan and Worked there for about two years. Wow.
1: Okay. Do you feel that, um, because I know that a lot of people going into like the JET program, for example, or, mm-hmm. or other similar like ALT type organizations or companies, not all of them necessarily have like prior experience. Whereas mm-hmm. you had trained, like you studied education and then you also right. did the internship. Prior when you were in um, Nagoya previously. So do you feel like you were more prepared for that part of being a JET, you know, as far as being in the
0: classroom and and what was expected of you and all that? Oh, for sure. I feel like once I had that internship in Japan, um, when I studied abroad, I knew from that moment that I wanted to come back and teach in Japan. Mm. So I basically did everything I possibly could to get into the JET program so I could you know, essentially have that job. It, it was essentially my dream job at that point. Hmm. Um, it definitely helped. It, I went into it with not a lot of, like, kind of off preconceived notions and not a lot of things surprised me other than, you know, just life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it, it, was, it I definitely felt very prepared and, like, hearing some of, like, the people that chose to do JET because they didn't really have any other options or didn't really... Um, care as much about the teaching part of it. Hmm. Um, I just felt like I was really ready for it. I think the hardest part of it was just how grueling it could be because since I did have like an education background, I didn't really get to fully utilize it in Japan because uh, some people will say when you're in the JET program or any of those um, ALT programs. You're just, like, a, a walking, talking, like, microphone <laughs> or tape recorder. And you make the most of it, I guess. And luckily for me, my school was very much like Nuff's, like, the stu- uh, university I studied abroad at. It was also, like, an international school. Mm-hmm. So they had other languages that the kids could study, like, Russian. Um, oh, okay. And they gave the English teachers, like a lot of freedom. And so I basically taught my own class. Mm. I did whatever I wanted. I lesson planned. I pulled, made worksheets and planned out a whole curriculum. So it was perfect for me in that situation. But I, I taught at two schools. So one of my schools was like that. The other school was, they didn't really care so much about English. And I just kind of like, just mimicked and repeated after the teacher and it was a little bit of um it was a little draining but Mm. i got the best of both worlds i guess yeah yeah I've, i've heard that from
1: people previously who say the same thing how i guess it depends but since you're like technically an assistant Mm-hmm. That sometimes you just kind of get you are just kind of there and and, yeah. and then until called upon to do something. But it's not, it's good that you were able to, since you did care about the education aspect. I'm I'm glad that you were able to, to actually teach and and be more and be more active and all that. Yeah,
0: so, it was yeah. a really great experience. I was I was I was lucky for that. But yeah. and then I, I guess it was great too that I would could have some downtime at my other school too. <laughs>
1: yeah wow okay and you're in hokkaido hokkaido mm-hmm. i don't know much about hokkaido other than like like you said it's way up north and they ha- they've got snow and i am guess mm-hmm. they've got like beer also is, is yeah. really a big thing up there i don't know yeah. much about hokkaido but i mean i mean was it okay for you besides
0: the snow i mean was it all right? i loved there? it i <laughs> loved hokkaido i mean um, I really liked, it was a little more, a little livelier than Nagoya, hmm. but of course the snow kind of like cuts most of your year down. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're really into like nature and camping, hiking, most of the whole entire prefecture is like built for that. Mm-hmm. But if you're more in like the city area, um, there's, I mean, beer, whiskey, great food. I think I absolutely love out of everything, the food was the best in Hokkaido because mm-hmm. um, the sushi was like really fresh. I don't know what it was about it, but I just thought the sushi in Hokkaido was better than anywhere else in Japan. Um, and so, and their ramen was really good. It was just, it was really, it was nice. I think it was a decent sized city and you got to you got all of the seasons you know how they say about japan it's like all oh, four seasons but mm-hmm. in hokkaido it's like truly all of the seasons <laughs> but mainly winter
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm i don't know i'm i'm just thinking because you the first time you went you started you were in nagoya right and then you went mm-hmm. to to hokkaido mm-hmm. you said sapporo right you were in sapporo yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then at some point you were also living in in fukuoka right So so, I'm just mm -hmm. curious, like, in terms of cultural or even linguistic differences between those places, because you're still in Japan and all those different places. Mm -hmm. But I know with each region or each, you know, prefecture, people might talk differently or, you know, Mm -hmm. culture might be slightly different. So I don't know. Did you notice those types
0: of things? I noticed them, but I really, really didn't, I guess maybe because I was such a foreigner and like. I didn't hardcore study Japanese like that. I, I was more of like just casual Japanese mm-hmm. and just like, you know, be- feeding off of the people that I was talking to. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I met my husband, who he's Japanese, and we met in Hokkaido mm. and we've moved and lived in... Hokkaido and then Fukuoka and then Nagoya together, he always really pointed out all of the differences and, and subtle nuances between the language that I just, like, didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, at all. <laughs> there was just some things that I'm just so used to, like, just certain colloquial terms, like, in Hokkaido that I have just, like, stuck with me mm-hmm. that I guess you wouldn't hear in Fukuoka. But language-wise, I will say it's very difficult for me to understand what my father-in-law is saying. (laughs) I, 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 my husband and I, we laugh about it all the time, but I'm like, I just, I can't understand your dad. I, I understand. (laughs) It's like, I love him to death. We talk all of the time, but a lot of time I'm just like, what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But when we were in Fukuoka, I felt like, um, Fukuoka, I think uh, from what I remember, it, it, is kind of, like, a young, like, there's a lot of women, young women that live in Fukuoka, hmm. and I just met a good bit of, like, uh, girlfriends down there, and they were just so easy to understand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if it's, like, the way that they spoke. It just felt clearer, or, like, just something about it was just easier to understand. Mm-hmm. And then Nagoya, it just felt like standard Japanese, because, you know, all in, like, Kansai area, Tokyo, Osaka area, everyone kind of – well, Osaka not so much, but Mm. um, that's, like, more of, like, kind of, like, standard Japanese, so I didn't – I guess maybe because that was the last place we lived um, in Nagoya, it just felt normal to me. Yeah. But, yeah, Hokkaido definitely, like, a lot of more, like, different uh, colloquialisms I remember.
1: Yeah. Okay. And um, you said you you taught with the JET program – Mm-hmm. for two two years, right? hmm Did you have... Um, I mean, did you see yourself staying in Japan for as long as you did? Or did you have any idea of what you wanted to do after the JET program? Or was it kind of open-ended for you? Like, did you
0: it- just... Yeah, it it was pretty open. Yeah, it was pretty open ended. I like I said, it was like Japan was kind of my end goal at that point. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I just want to get into jet program. And when I got into jet program, I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it for the full like five years, and then. Whatever happens after that happens. But I was pretty set on wanting to stay in Japan as long as I possibly could. Hmm. Um, And then I did – I only did JET for about, like, two, two and a half years. And then I met my husband, and he got transferred down to Fukuoka. So I ended up having to cut my contract short. Hmm. Um, And then we moved down to Fukuoka, and I kind of did some tutoring on the side. But then at that time, um, we got married, and we had our first daughter there – And so, since then, I've just been, like, shufu or, like, housewife. Mm -hmm. Um, But I essentially was just, like, okay with being, like, an English teacher. I know some people don't like the idea of being an English teacher, but I actually really, truly enjoyed it. And thinking about in the future, I would love to, if I ever were to start teaching again, I would love to maybe try to have my own English school Mm -hmm. eventually or some kind of like tutoring program, something along those lines. But I definitely, I mean, I haven't worked in about six years. So it feels like so distant and impossible sometimes. But I definitely want to go back to my roots, which were like, you know, teaching and working with English learners.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you you are kind of like, um, I don't want to say rare, because that sounds really like (laughs) <laughs> dramatic but you know I it all it's the time, like <laughs> actually wanting to teach from what I've heard I don't know from experience because I haven't taught in Japan but from what I mm-hmm. hear it's like it's like a means to an end just to get there is, you Mm -hmm. know, ALT or whatever various teaching job. And then people try to move on to something else. Whereas that's actually like your passion is teaching Mm -hmm. and and education.
0: So you're like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty rare. And like, I I used to get like, people would just be like, wow. Like, you know, they would kind of like be bashing ALTs and then I'm like sitting in the mist, like, (laughs) actually, I love it. But um, I mean, but it comes from like, it's just a part of who I've always been. Like, like I said, my dad was, is from Nigeria and he came to America when he was like in his teens, like 19, 20 years old. Mm. Um, And to hear what his experiences were like learning English in Nigeria and then coming to live in America. I just, I don't know. I felt like I sympathized and empathized with him. And, you know, I've, I've, met so many people from across the world and then, like, living in Germany as well to see, like, the efforts made to learn English. I just always thought that that was so admirable. Mm-hmm. And in when I was in my university and, you know, started um, kind of tutoring and helping out with the, like, immigrant or migrant students um, and also the students that came to study abroad in my, in, at Georgia Southern, I just was always just, like, enamored mm-hmm. with them. And I just wanted to support them because that's such a huge thing to come to a whole nother country and try to learn the language. Yeah. And once I knew that I could get some kind of career in helping people who are passionate about it, I felt like, well, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, And to see, and the JET program felt so accessible just because, you know, this is a governmental program that wants people to teach their students English. Um, And so it just felt like the right match I mean is is it perfect no does it have a lot of setbacks in some areas yes but it it still afforded me like a great opportunity and I got to help a lot of people during it you know Mm -hmm. even even when I wasn't in the JET program even just meeting some people that I tutored just to see like the leaps and bounds that they have um, made in their English learning. it's great I just wish that I would have studied Japanese as well <laughs> so I can be just as proud of myself yeah. but I mean I was of service <laughs> yeah I
1: mean you know you do what you can as far as you know language learning goes and I mm-hmm. do hope that in the future you know if that's still what you want to do that you are able to teach again or have your own language school like you said mm-hmm. um, I would like to believe it's not too
0: late you know if that's really no. what you want to do Uh, I don't think so I feel like it's it's possible and I think when you become like a mom you kind of put yourself on the back burner a Mm -hmm. little bit yeah but as your kids get a little older you kind of have to like obviously you should like always have and make time for yourself in the midst of all of that Mm -hmm. but as they get older and they're like they don't need you as much. You kind of have a little more time to focus on yourself. And right. so I don't just only identify as a mom. Mm-hmm. And so just in recent history, I've really been thinking more about my future that, that's like a, like not a part of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like it's a little more accessible. So I think just, and just recently, maybe even just this year, I really started thinking about what I could possibly even do outside of feeding and taking care of kids all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, for for me, from an outside looking in, it seems like you've like, even with, you know, maybe the limited time that you've had becoming a wife and a mom, it seems like you've experimented with different things, like being creative and trying things and you know, learning new skills. So I don't know. Like at the beginning, you said something like, oh, I'm just like a typical mom. But like, you're not just a mom. You do all this other stuff that's really cool, you you know?
0: So, you know. (laughs) Thank you. It's just so hard because it's like, it's such a hard balance. And I guess when you, it's so, it's hard not to compare yourself to other people who are like, I, I feel like I'm a jack-of-all-trades, and, like, mm-hmm. it's not always a positive thing. Like, I wish I could just, like, pick one thing <laughs> and just, like, go for it. Like, I, I'm just – I'm in awe of people who are, like, this is my thing and this is what I do. And for me, I just – I've never felt, like, confident enough or, like, I don't know. Maybe it's my ADHD where I just, like, can't focus enough on just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, I think it's the imposter syndrome <laughs> that yeah. kind of sets in. No, I feel that. But, I feel that. It is, it is nice to hear that other people see like the little attempts. I just wish that I, I, I'm hoping, not I wish, my goal and what I'm constantly working on is just being more consistent with those things. Mm -hmm. Because I guess over the last decade, I mean, I've dabbled in YouTube and haven't been very consistent and Yeah. um, yeah, I've been doing, bento making was, you know, fairly consistent, but now with this whole coronavirus pandemic, I don't get to make bentos like I did, like my kids don't even go to school. Mm. So it's almost like, well, what's the point of making a bento when we're just we can just eat off a paper plate and call it (laughs) a day. And then the podcast, uh, I've been doing this podcast with my sister that's, you know, all about food and parenting. And that's been like, I guess, the most obtainable thing right now because it's what i do all day i talk to my sister all day anyways and Mm -hmm. we talk and complain about cooking and grocery shopping all day and we're like well we might as well i know talk about it so other people can hear too (laughs) yeah and i love the name of your show like we got to feed y'all it's
1: like (laughs) authoritative but also a sense of like Oh, we got to feed
0: him again. Like, really? (laughs) That's really where it was born from. It's exactly what it was born from because we, you know, all of our kids are fairly young. And it's just all day. Mom, I want a snack. I'm hungry. And then you have to, once you finish one meal, you get maybe like 30 minutes. And then you got to start thinking about what the next meal. And then with this whole like quarantine you know, being at home and my kids aren't at school like they used to be. It's like, wow, you really think about it. Mm -hmm. When you think about feeding yourself, you're just like, whatever. But when you have to feed like other people Mm -hmm. multiple times a day and you have to, it gets a little um, overwhelming and it's, and especially when you're like taking into consideration, you know, healthy choices and you have to consistently do it. And then with being, like, the stay-at-home moms, like, you know, my husband, he's Japanese and he works for a Japanese company, so he is constantly working. He's just busy from, like, morning to night. Mm. So it does put me in, like, the authoritative role of, like, having to be the one who provides food for the family. Um, yeah, I can do takeout, but also I that adds on to my mom guilt when I do that. So <laughs> oh, no. It's, <laughs> it's just, like, you can never win. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it is like I'm the, the the authority. I'm the one who chooses. I'm the one who has to make these decisions. I have to get the groceries. I got to organize the food. I got to fill the pantry and pick the meals and then execute that and then clean up from the meals. And so, yeah, it's a, it, I think you described it perfectly. It's both like <laughs> I'm in charge of it, but also, oh, my God, I really have to do this again <laughs> today, now? <laughs> yeah
1: i think i think it's great i think it's great and um well i can't speak for you but i i listen and i think oh it must be nice like you and your sister you're both Mm stay-at-home moms you both have two Mm -hmm. kids and you're both kind of just you know like you said you talk together anyway and you're kind of doing the same things even though you know you live in different locations and everything yeah but um I haven't listened to all of your episodes, but I have heard a few, and it's just really amusing to me. Like, you know, y'all will be talking, and then I think there was one episode where your sister was like, Oh, the chickens are pecking at the door. Or, like, yeah. <laughs> you were, there's was another uh, time where you had to, like, yell upstairs, like, When can, do can y'all stop dropping stuff or something? And, uh, Or, like, another time your sister, I guess one of her kids didn't want to put his underwear on and she kept having to repeat, like, put your underwear on, please. And
0: that's just, (laughs) that's so amusing to me. Yeah, real life. We're we're so glad that, I'm so glad that you said that because, (laughs) I mean, we literally would talk, like, when this, when this whole lockdown started, we would just be on the phone like, All day, we'd just be on speakerphone, have plug our phones in, and halfway across the room, like all day, and we just realized that there was just this constant like topic. We were always like, "What's on your meal plan this week?" or Mm -hmm. "Oh, I get this from the grocery store." Oh, and we're like, "Well, I mean, we know it's not everyone. Like, not everyone cares about grocery shopping and stuff like that." Mm -hmm. But I was like, "I don't hear a lot of people talking about it at all." Yeah, and so we were like, "Well, we talk about this all day, anyways." other than like Animal Crossing and yelling at our kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were like, we must make a podcast. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, especially with the timing that we started it. And then, you know, even I go back and listen to old episodes, and we like documented this whole like Coronavirus, like, wow, just how everything kind of like changed and even stuff. It, it, it hit the grocery stores like hugely mm-hmm. so it's really interesting it's like this nice like time capsule that we have of like what we're going through right now um and people can relate to it even if you don't have kids and you know we're all thinking about food and you know having to get takeout and even like not being able to buy toilet paper and stuff so it we're surprised at like how far reaching it can this you know just us two sisters talking normally has actually like you know reached out to other people so yeah it's it's encouraging to hear that
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you know i um oh goodness no that was just me honestly you know showing my appreciation for the show because i don't usually (laughs) listen to food based stuff Mm -hmm. but you know like I had been following you for a while, so, so right. when I saw that you started a podcast, it's like, oh, let me check it out, and it's like, you know, <laughs> it's interesting, you know, so I hope you you both um, continue to to do it and, and have fun and enjoy doing it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, one question I did have for you mm-hmm. is that, um, so like the first time you went to Japan, you know, you were there for a year, and then you came back. And then mm-hmm. you lived in Japan for a number of years, and then you, you know, got married and started a family, and then all of y'all moved back to the States. Yes. Um, and that's where you are now. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. wondering, I guess, if you experienced any culture shock. Um, oh. Any of those times oh that God. you came back from Japan since you were there for extended periods of time?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, Yes. <laughs> I feel like um, if you guys, if you followed me back on Instagram, when we first moved to America, I feel like that's all I talked about was (laughs) like culture shock. Um, Reverse culture shock is real. And I, I remember when I came back the first time when I had studied abroad, I remember someone telling me that not everyone is going to care that you just spend a year in Japan. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay <laughs> that kind of hurt <laughs> mm. but it's true you know like everyone's life was still going on and whatnot so it was so interesting when i would experience something in america and it would make me recall a time when i was in japan and mm. i would kind of have to like Ooh, keep it to yourself or not everything relates to that um but then coming back we moved to america in 2017 and it was just, like, everything was different from, you know, the last time I had lived in America. I, my life was different. You know, I had a family now. Mm-hmm. And then to take into consideration, like, my husband, who's, like, Japanese, and he's experiencing America for the very first time. So it I kind of took on, like, everyone's uh, shock of oh, living in America. That's a lot. But for me, it was a lot because, like I said before, I grew up up and down the East Coast we moved to California. So it was new for me. Like I felt like the foreigner (laughs) coming to America (laughs) just as much as my husband did because I would never experienced living in California. Mm. Um, And even like, you know, I had never been a a mom in America too. So there was just like a lot of things that were just so different because most of my adulthood and becoming a wife and becoming a mother was rooted in Japan. So it – I just I feel like I go on for hours about everything that was so different for me. But the culture shock hit the hardest in me being a black woman Hmm. more so than anything else. I just had like a lot of just like these microaggressions that I had to experience because I guess we lived in a fairly nice area. Um, And I was, you know, being the only black person in Japan is very different. Than being the only black person in America, mm. because at least in Japan, it's just kind of accepted that like, oh, you're different. Okay, great. We we you're, you know we're this homogenous country. We're used to only seeing us, so seeing you, you're a rarity. You know, just in general. Mm. But in America, it feels so different, rooted in like so many other things as well, because mm. there's racism and discrimination, and uh, it just it hit different. Yeah. Um, But one of the things that really stood out was, you know, we lived in this really nice condo. And we were getting a bunch of boxes from Japan for Mm. my husband's company. And it was like this Asian American mailman. And he would come to our door. And one time, he had like a bunch of boxes. And he was like, I don't know if he was like annoyed or whatever, but I had like my youngest daughter on my hip and they're, you know, very light skin compared to me. They Mm. look just like their dad, essentially. And I'm holding her and I answer the door and he's like, hey, I have a bunch of these like Chinese boxes, but you don't know anything about that because you're just the babysitter. What? Um, He said it so matter of factly. And I was like, Oh, it was no. just like so many things at once because it was like you assume i don't live here you assume that i'm this is not my child that i birthed naturally yeah. like you're the help um, or something i'm the help and then you assume i don't know anything about these chinese but it's not chinese they're japanese like mm-hmm. boxes i was just it was just a lot all at once and i had like a few experiences like that that I was just, like, really surprised because I was like, whoa, I thought California was so, like, open and liberal, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I felt more microaggressions there than I did, like, anywhere else. Mm. Um, So I think that hit me the hardest, but I think also it hit hard, too, because I was in a very, like, vulnerable state, too, because I had two young kids, um, and I always, you know, during that time, I really was talking a lot about, like, postpartum depression And, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of support because my family lived all the way on the East Coast and my in-laws were still in Japan. So I felt like very alone during that time. So I just kind of took to Instagram and talked to a bunch of people that I met and became friends with through there. But, yeah, it was it was such a huge, like, cultural shift Mm -hmm. when we moved to America. But now we're on the East Coast again um, we're in New Jersey now and that's, you know, it's a little better and it's different because we're in California. We were around a lot of like Asian American people and a lot of there was like a lot of like transplant, like Japanese people as well. So I would, I would still hear Japanese all, all of the time. Mm-hmm. But now we're in New Jersey and it's more Korean. Um, oh. So that's really interesting as well. Um, but then we're still kind of like in a Japanese bubble because my kids go to a Japanese school out here, mm. um, or they did before all of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <happened>. um, <Right. laughs> so it's 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 a little it's a little different. But of course, yet again, I'm always and have always been like the odd man out. So I uh, I don't know. I feel like after years and years of dealing with it, I would have gotten used to it. But mm. I don't think that's something you ever get used to. <laughs> mm. I mean,
1: maybe not. Um, but I mean, do you feel like you've, I don't know, found your footing as much as you can? And given the cultural shifts you had to deal with and the moves and everything, do you feel some sort of (laughs) equilibrium now
0: or, or is that not the case at all? (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think like, I mean I've moved my entire life. I've just always have been constantly moving mm-hmm. and I think I'm getting to an age and place in my life where I want a little bit more stability mm-hmm. um, especially for my kids because I know what it was like to move all the time. I don't really want them to experience that mm-hmm. um, and then just seeing the current like climate in America, yeah still yeah don't feel comfortable year. Right <laughs> um but I mean we're we're actually right now thinking about possibly going back to Japan. Oh okay. um, I mean we're still in the early stages of thinking about it and it's gonna be a huge like shift and change for our family. And you know, even with that decision it's not one hundred percent easy either because then yeah, like I said, I'm gonna be the odd man out. I'm yeah. gonna be the one who's not in my native country and having to do a lot of things outside of my comfort zone and I guess I just feel like I'm I'm gonna have to just kind of like become the martyr for (laughs) I guess like I'm just always gonna be that in that kind of position and Hmm. um I mean luckily I'm not the only one I have a lot of friends both in America and in Japan and you know a lot of foreigner friends and black girlfriends that live out there and there's you know I over the years, to see the amount of support that has grown out there, it doesn't feel as daunting as it did before. Mm. But just in the realm of life that I'm at now, you know, with having my kids, having to think about them, just makes it a little more stressful. But I guess since we've lived here in America, it just never felt like home mm. for any of us. Um, It always just kind of felt very temporary or we just couldn't really get our footing and feel like, oh, wow, I want to be here for an extended amount of time. Mm -hmm. We just kind of – it's felt – it feels now like how – kind of how it was when I was in college and, you know, you're going to, like, move out of your dorm and move into an apartment, like, every year. Mm -hmm. It's it's been feeling like that with being in America. So, yeah, I mean, even if we move back to Japan, I don't know how I'll feel once I'm there. but. Seeing the experiences that I had in Japan compared to the experiences I've had here, it definitely felt more comfortable there Mm. than I have here. It's hard to explain, but ever since I had those first experiences in Japan, it just always felt right. And I don't know if that's because I'm like running from something in America or... (laughs) I don't know, but... (laughs) I mean, I guess I feel kind of grateful that I do have the option to go somewhere else. Yeah. So we'll Mm -hmm. see. I guess we'll see. But right now, no, we don't really feel that like rooted here at all.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's understandable. And uh, I I was going to ask if you had any plans or desire to move back to Japan. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. you, you know, saying that. And and like you said, it remains to be seen. But um, no matter where you end up, I just hope you still have, you know, support and people that you can talk to and, and lean oh, on when yeah. you need to. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, but I don't, I don't fault you for, for <laughs> thinking about going elsewhere, I know a lot of people are considering that right now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've been seeing, I've been seeing so many articles about people being like, "Whoa, I think America's not it." Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of hard now because due to like coronavirus and everything, even Japan's borders are closed. Right, right. Yeah. There's all those. There's been all these articles about how um, the U.S. passport is just like obsolete. So we're just kind of like in this weird, like waiting area where we're trying to see like what Japan's gonna do Mm -hmm. and if I can get a visa and all that stuff so it's it's not it's not as straightforward but I'm sure we'll make it work Mm -hmm. no matter what ends up happening and I think because of the the people I've met through social media and like having the opportunity to meet so many different kinds of people I feel like I'll have support even if I'm not close to like, in close proximity with anyone. Mm-hmm. I do know that, like, I have people that, you know, care about me and my family and care about my voice and whatnot. Um, and that in itself is something that I have always really appreciated, even though I've not been very consistent across, like, YouTube and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the people <laughs> that have stuck along with me, even, like, way back in the day when I was, like, on Tumblr, it, it lets you know that, um, I mean, there are people out there And even if it's just someone to, like, chat with sometimes, sometimes that's just enough for whatever you may be going through. Yeah. So that – I definitely feel grateful for having met so many great people. Yeah. Thinking
1: about uh, potentially living in Japan in the
0: future or even just,
1: you know, going back to visit Japan – Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere within Japan specifically that you have a mind in terms of like, oh, I'd really like to go back and, and go here. Or, I'd really like to spend more time here. Is there anywhere specifically in Japan that is on your mind?
0: Honestly, even though I kind of was dogging Tokyo out, (laughs) I actually never really got to experience like being in Tokyo like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I did visit, I like went to like Tokyo Game Show and like I've been to Akihabara and all of that, but I've never actually like been like in the suburbs of um, Tokyo and I've traveled a lot. So I've been to like Osaka, Kyoto, all of those places, but I think I'm kind of like I, we're eyeballing Tokyo right now mm. just because it's such a centralized hub. But I always – I feel like out of everyone, Nagoya is definitely, like, a nice hometown, just way too hot. Um, <laughs> and, but I, I I feel like the, the most, like, roots that I have in Japan would have to be in Hokkaido.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's so different from anywhere that I've grown up before, and, like, the winter is just, like, wild. But mm. – I, knowing that my in-laws are there and I mean, we just love, we just love food Um, (laughs) and the food is just so great there. I feel like it would be a great place, but at least knowing that it's like accessible, you know, if we ever live in Japan again, Mm -hmm. that, that gives me some hope. But right now I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of digging Tokyo. I mean, Mm -hmm. outskirts of Tokyo, not like deep in there, but outskirts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I got you. I got you. And then what about elsewhere in the world? Or maybe even within the States? Is there anywhere? Uh, I don't know. If you have a list of places that you'd like to go in the world or even domestically, you know, do you have any that are really high up on that list? I actually
0: am really interested in going to Taiwan. Mm. I, After I had studied abroad, I actually was going to study abroad again um, and oh, okay. do part of my uh, student teaching practicum in Taiwan. But oh, God, that's such a tumultuous time to think back on. But like <laughs> a lot of stuff did not work out. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't, I ended up not being able to go. Um, and I was really looking forward to that because, you know, like I was saying, I really wanted to focus on, you know, teaching English learners. And to be able to do my entire student teaching, well, like half of my student teaching practicum, practicum in Taiwan, mm-hmm. I was just like so ready for it. Um, but because I never got that opportunity, I really would love to try to go somewhere like Taiwan. And domestically in the States, we were actually thinking about possibly moving to Texas. Oh. Um, I guess we kind of like were flirting with the idea of it. And now, since that's kind of like not really on the table anymore, I'm mm-hmm. still interested. I want to go to Texas. I just want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really about it. Okay. No, but those
1: are... <laughs> Those are really um, interesting places. Uh, I know Taiwan is somewhere I've wanted to visit for, I mean, not a long time, but like in recent years, become more interested Mm -hmm. in it. And Texas, I don't know, for me, I've never had a huge desire to go to Texas. (laughs) But Houston is appealing to me for some reason. Like Houston, I would like to check out. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just want to go,
0: I just want to go wherever Beyonce was. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, I, was like, I was like, Beyonce lived in Texas. She's from Texas. Let's go. <laughs> that, that was, uh, low, low key, high key. That was one of the only reasons why I was like, because my husband was like, well, where, if we were going to move anywhere in America, where would you want to go? And I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, hmm, well, where, where would Beyonce go? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I mean, with that logic, Texas is really the only place left because, you know, she, I think she, she might live in California, that might be her home base, yeah, but you already live assuming. there. Yeah. And then you already live on the East, I mean, you live in New Jersey, but, you know, close enough to, you know, to New York where she was living. Yeah. And so, and then the only other place really is Texas, so that makes I mean, sense. Where you're else? Following, where else? If you're following her trail,
0: then that would be the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. Makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good.
1: (laughs) All right. So um, as far as uh, studying abroad goes, you know, based on Mm -hmm. your experience studying in Nagoya, do you have any tips or advice for people in terms of being able to afford studying abroad? Was there anything specific that you did that helped you to be able to afford going that Um, first time?
0: I I just feel like I was extremely lucky I think it was just at the time not a lot of people were going to Japan I feel like Japan and Korea has had like a recent like huge boom Mm. but back then when I went nobody was really checking for Japan like that Mm. so when I was thinking to study abroad I was extremely lucky because I just applied to like any and every scholarship I could possibly get and I basically had my entire year paid for for me because I applied for all these scholarships. And of course, I had like school loans. I mean, mm. let's be realistic. Um, <laughs> but I did get like a really good scholarship. And I think it was because no one else in my university applied for it. And so I basically was a shoe in for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say just number one, if you want to study abroad, go for it. I never thought I would have. I mean, there was no way I would have been able to afford it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and just by having, you know, interest in it and striving to go, I did everything that I possibly could. And that was just like applying for a bunch of scholarships and taking all of these courses. And yeah, it put me off like a year or so. I mean, I didn't graduate within four years at all, mm-hmm. but it was worth it, and I just I just did it. I did everything that I possibly could. Yeah. And back then, I used to get a lot of emails of um, from people asking, like, well, how do I go to Japan? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm like, just go to your university and see what they have to offer, because mm-hmm. they want people to have those experiences. And, I mean, back then, there wasn't as much information as there is now. I mean, there was barely anyone on YouTube talking about it, and now there are people who just, like, tell you everything from the beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um so I would definitely say, like, just go for it. Yeah, Seriously, yeah. just go for it. If you want to do it, or you want to try, there's some way that you can get some access to studying abroad or getting money for studying abroad. Yeah. As far as, I guess,
1: just in general, in regards to studying in Japan or living in Japan, for people who want to, you know, try and have similar experiences mm-hmm. um, or or do similar things that you've done, any tips for that as far as studying or... Or living in Japan or just traveling Um, in general?
0: Learn the language. (laughs) Like I would definitely advise you to study up a bit and not just the language, like really like take a deep dive into the culture too, Mm. because I think if, I think that's probably why I haven't been as serious about studying about or studying Japanese is because I've always been more interested in the culture. Mm. And that I think is what helped me to have a better grasp of the language and like, just, like, the smaller nuances of everyday life, if you're interested in it, I would definitely say, like, look deeper into the culture Mm. and not just, like, the art history or not just, like, the historical battles, like, just, like, the political history as well and Mm. all of those things because I think it will give you a deeper understanding of, like, what the language is all about and what the people are about so you can have a better connection with them rather than you kind of, like, looking at them under a microscope once you get there yeah culture has a huge tie with language so i mean you kind of can't study one without the other Mm -hmm. so i would definitely try to like incorporate all of that into your studying and understanding of whichever culture you want to study abroad in
1: Mm. yeah that's good that's really good advice um last question i have for you is where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to
0: do so I mean, right now, there's not a lot going on. <laughs> I feel bad. I've kind of like ghosted all of my social media. But it's just because I mean, times are tough. Yeah. But if you would like to check out like, I mean, any and everything that I've done, because I've been on Instagram since like the very beginning. <laughs> um, but I do have an Instagram account. And it's a little confusing but it's kila so k-i-l-a mama x-o-x-o um and that's just like my basic like personal instagram but i also super love japanese food and so i have an an instagram account all about like japanese food and bentos that's at k-l bentos on um instagram um, And I also started, like, a little Etsy shop, too, trying to sell, like, bento goods that mm. are kind of difficult to get in America. So I've kind of, like, have, like, a little shop that if you're interested in making bentos yourself, you can check that out on Etsy as well. Mm. Um, and like you were saying about my podcast, <laughs> my little sister and I, we have a podcast called the We Got to Feed Y'all podcast. And that's on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, I guess, like, Those are, like, the three main ones.
1: Okay. Um, And
0: we try to – we're not – we don't upload every week, but we're trying to get better about it. But at least, like, you get, like, an episode, like, one or two a month. Yeah. Um, But we have, like, a good little backlog now of, I think, like, 17 episodes. Mm. So that's what we've been doing. But that's all of my uh, places you can find me on the internet. Nice. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: A handful of options for people to see what you're doing, you know. Um So it's Kila Mama XO. Is it XOXO? Yeah, XO, XO? XO. mm-hmm, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Kila Mama XOXO and then KL Bentos. That's so both on Instagram. And then mm-hmm.
0: your your Etsy shop. Is that
1: mm-hmm. KL Bentos as well?
0: Yeah, it's KL or KNL Bentos. You know, the little ampersand. Can't have it on everything, yeah. but it's supposed <laughs> to be there. But it's KL Bentos or KNL Bentos. Okay. And then, of course, we got to feed y'all the podcast yes
1: okay great perfect okay well um yeah that's all I have for you today I really appreciate you spending time talking to me and telling me about your experiences this has been really enjoyable for me I hope you
0: enjoyed it as well oh no this has been so nice I mean I getting to talk to another adult has been very nice because <laughs> I've been self-quarantined with two toddlers for going on five months. So yeah. this is nice. Um, but it was really nice to get to finally talk to you because I know we've been following each other for years now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I was like so excited when you emailed me about doing the podcast. I was like, oh my God, I'm not like... I- too old and like too far oh, gone no, to do of that course not, of course I, not it's been so long since I really got to talk about um, my study abroad experience but at the same time I know it is it's what's gotten me to where I'm in where I'm at in my life now yeah. Um, so it was nice to kind of go back and think about the roots of it all. So I've, I really appreciate being able to chat with you about it today.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. That makes me really, really happy to hear that. No, but yeah, okay. anytime,
0: anytime. I'm like so excited. My, I've already told my family all about it and they're excited because they follow like anything oh. that I do. Even though oh, I feel like it's lovely. like not that amazing, but also... It is nice to have people recognize, you know, the experiences that you've had in your yeah. life. So I'm super yeah. excited. And, like, this po- your podcast is, like, amazing. I wish this oh. podcast existed when <laughs> I was studying abroad. Like, I, don't, I know I'm not, like, the first person to study abroad, but it mm-hmm. feels like I was, like, I feel like people put me on a pedestal because mm-hmm. I guess they didn't know a lot of Black people that studied abroad back right. then. And I was like, but I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I feel so I feel both like so happy for the younger generation. But also I'm like, where was this when I did it? (laughs) So it's you're doing great work. I think this is going to be so helpful, especially for like people of color, too, because that was, I think, the biggest takeaway that I've gotten um, over these years is just like people just in awe that there are like people of color that do study abroad Mm -hmm. and do know other languages and do have these experiences that I guess a lot of people feel that it's only afforded to and accessible to like white people. And it's Mm. like, no, we can do it too. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, that's the goal or at least or at least one of the goals is to mm-hmm. try to be helpful and and to show that, you know, all these different people have have done this and it's possible. So, I really that means a lot. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> oh,
0: of course, and I'm definitely going to like share it across everywhere. Everyone's going to know about the podcast, I mean, not just cuz I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> <But> I always, <laughs> but it is it is a perk. A lot of uh, most people just always follow and want to know every little nuance of my life. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll get um, a great, a good bit of um, listens to the episode. Oh. People, anytime I talk about anything in my life, people are just like, "Wait, what did she say? What did she do?" And I want to <laughs> know because I'm like, I don't. Since I'm not on YouTube anymore, right? I'm like, I'm not as much, um, and especially now that I'm not on social media as much, because it's just like. I'm not taking pictures, I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people will be like, Oh my god, yes, okay, we need to know <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean a
1: people's nosiness will will, you know draw more ears to the show then yeah. i
0: guess that works <laughs> it will it will when i tell you that's one of the reasons why i was like i don't think youtube's for me it would be like anytime like it would be like a glimpse of my husband in the background like those youtube views would shoot up and oh I'm my like, goodness god really he's not that amazing <laughs> But I mean that's that's the voyeurism of uh, social media nowadays. Yeah. And I can't say anything. I do it too. I'm on YouTube like watching people and all their YouTube drama too. So I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, moments like this is like nice, like even though like I could take this opportunity to like rest and relax, but usually I wouldn't be able to. Um, um so this was like, like I said before, this was like a nice distraction to have out of like, you know, every day is basically the same. Just yeah. the food is different and the weather's different and <laughs> how much Animal Crossing is different, but everything else is about the same. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad but, yeah. this was
1: able to be a, a good little distraction for you. <laughs> yeah, it was.
0: It was. It was really nice. And, yeah. and a lot of your questions were really insightful enough for me to even think about, you know, like even asking about what we plan on doing in the future because no one really knows that we're thinking about going back to Japan except for, like, my family and, like, closest friends. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to be able to kind of, like, vomit that out too because <laughs> I kind of want to put it out in the universe so that, like, you know, put it out and like, hopefully it comes back and like we can go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice to be able to think about it. So
1: yeah. Oh, I'm glad that, yeah, I'm glad that this was able to do that for
0: you. And, um,
1: Oh, wow. We've been talking for a long time. Oh, I'm going to let you go. I don't want to take up any more of your time today. Yeah. But, um, this was perfect. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, I'll be in touch and I just hope you have mm-hmm. a good rest of your day and, and you too. take care of yourself and say hi to your sister for me. I know she doesn't know me, but you could just tell her that, you know,
0: you have a friend. I named will. Daniel I'll, no, I'll tell hi. her. Yeah. I'll <laughs> tell her to follow you. She's like totally cool with following people. And like, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and enjoying it. Of we, course. You know, not a lot of people like say, a whole lot about it and we're like we're just talking we don't know who actually enjoys it so it's good to hear that you like enjoy <laughs> even if it's like little aspects of it even if you don't relate to all of it but that was that was really nice to hear because yeah. we were like sometimes we're just like why are we doing this <laughs> um, but i think that's a lot of people when you're doing something it you get to that moment where you're mm-hmm. just like oh. I don't know if I should still do this, but mm-hmm. um, that was definitely nice. And I hope you have a great rest of your day and oh, week. And I'm looking forward to um, whenever the podcast comes out. Cause I love Going back and listening to myself ramble Over and over again so, <laughs> This will be fun And in, in, in due time to hear All of this. Yes,
1: yes definitely and I assure you you have not been rambling Everything you have said has been very Insightful and interesting So no worries there um, great, But yeah great. I will be in touch And and you take care okay Alright you too Alright <laughs> right, bye Alright bye <laughs> All right, y'all, there it is. Thanks to Amanda for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are. And you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, the last regular episode of the year, The guest is going to be someone who is very enthusiastic about the film and entertainment industry, and she studied abroad on a cruise ship. So you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.